Good morning, Freedom House. Hello to everyone in the room today, and hello to everyone that is joining us online from all over the world. We have Michigan, Ohio, Georgia, Massachusetts, Maine, Illinois, Vermont, North Carolina, Florida, uh, New Jersey, Germany, and it says sailing the Pacific Ocean. So I'm guessing somebody is watching somewhere from the Pacific Ocean. We're a little bit jealous. But when I think about getting seasick, never mind. I don't do so well in the high seas, I learned. But we are so glad that you are joining us. We are so glad you're here today. And for those of you who may be new to Freedom House, how we do things around here is we have a teaching team. Pastor Troy and I are the senior pastors. Then we have campus pastors, we have service pastors, and we have a teaching team because we don't believe that this church is built around our ego. This is not built around just hearing from us because we're the only ones that are anointed. We're the only ones that have the Spirit of God. No, no, no. The Bible says we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and that is exactly what we do. Um, Yes, you can give a big clap and a shout. So I'm excited that today I get to be here with you, uh, and Pastor Troy is actually flying out to be with John Maxwell. Uh, a lot of people think we're related, and we do call him Uncle John, but he's technically, we're not related to him. We just use his name, we need a good seat for something. Uh, and then I believe at Lake Norman is Pastor Adam, and South End is Pastor Olin, so We have a great lineup today. We're in a series called Dark Versus Light. And I am particularly liking this series because I am very honed in on what I'm gonna be talking about. It's something that is very, very near and dear to my heart. But I wanna just kick this off by saying that um, Pastor Troy and I have been in the process of moving, and so we've been packing up our house. And it's interesting, uh, as we were packing, going through all the cabinets and all the stuff that you've had for years and years that you kind of forgot that you had, Well, I was packing all of these different games up. And it's interesting because the majority of the games are kind of like the game of chance. You roll the dice or you just draw the card and whatever you get, you get. You can end up in Gumdrop Forest or you can end up in Molasses Swamp or you can end up on Park Place or Pennsylvania Avenue. You could end up passing go, not collecting the 200 and going straight to jail. But the interesting thing is that most of the games that I was packing up, you just kind of land where you land except for this one particular game that I packed and put away. It's the game of chess. It's not just about whatever card you get or whatever dice you roll. This particular game is who can outsmart who, who can outthink who, who can outmaneuver and outplay whom. And what I will do is I will checkmate you and I will make you surrender. The thing that was very interesting to me as I began to think about that is that many of us are playing checkers right now and the devil is playing chess. We are kind of haphazard, just leaving things to chance when the devil has been extremely specific in trying to manipulate, maneuver, and outthink us. And many of us as Christians, the Bible says in the last day, many believers will be led away by deceiving spirits. So in this particular series, Dark versus Light, I wanted to talk to you about how to not be deceived by a spirit of manipulation. How to not get outmaneuvered. How to not get outplayed, outworked. Because the thing that has happened is many of us as Christians, and here's the thing, when it says that many will be led astray, it's not talking about unbelievers. They're already led astray. It's talking about Christians, about 
believers, those of us who should know better. It says we will get led away and deceived because of these spirits. We have basically confused dark and light. So we're going to hone in on manipulation, and we are going to expose manipulation because what often happens is things are tried to be packaged to us in a way that might seem palatable where we want to maybe take it in and digest it. And we're not going to affirm sin. We're not going to affirm things that the Bible does not affirm. It's not about, well, you need to love your neighbor. Let me just say, I love my God before I love anyone else. And if it's in the word of God, I'm going to do what the word of God says, and I'm not gonna have somebody make a power play against me in order to try to outmaneuver or manipulate. So what I want us to do today is I want us to realize when a power play has been made against us as believers. And what we can do is shore ourselves up so we don't become prey. Now, some of the things I say today, you might not like. And that's okay. Why is that okay? Because I know Halloween is coming up and and we give out candy at our doors for Halloween. But this isn't Halloween in here. I'm not just going to give out candy. I need you to have your vegetables. I need you to get the strength and the nourishment in order for you to sustain what's coming. So as we dive in today, I want you to understand that I'm going to give you some things to help you discern the times that are coming, to help you to hear the Holy Spirit's voice, because often it is a still small voice. Why? Because the winds and everything else are blowing, and oftentimes we've got to tune in to hear it. It's not that God is necessarily whispering, it's just the other things are dialed up so high, we can't always hear. And so God is speaking, but we have to make sure that we're hearing his voice. Discernment comes from the Lord. That is why we teach you here at Freedom House how to pray in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when you pray in the Holy Spirit, that it's your spirit praying directly to God's spirit and it bypasses the gray matter. That's why it's so important for us to be praying in the Holy Spirit so we can live in the light and stay out of darkness. I like to say it like this. It's better to build a fence at the top of a cliff than to have to build a hospital at the bottom of it. Let's be wise. Let's be discerning. Revelations 12, 7 gives account of how Lucifer was able to, in heaven, manipulate and deceive one-third of the angels in order to have him them come and follow him. There was a war that broke out in heaven. And how was this war begun? With manipulation. Don't you want to be? Like God, don't you want to know the things he knows? Same thing happened when he was kicked out and put here on the earth. The same tactics he used in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. The same thing he said. But here's the deal. He's got the same tricks, but if we don't realize his tactics, we will fall prey. So today it's all about discernment and us being able to realize when a power play has been made against us. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 3. It says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. Let me just, let me just pause there for a second because many of us would go, oh, I, I wouldn't preach something other than what, what Jesus has to say. But yet there's a lot of things that we're taking in right now in our culture and we're accepting that we should not be accepting or affirming. 
You can affirm a person without affirming their wrong gender ideologies. As a matter of fact, I would contend you're not loving people well if you play make-believe with them. Right? So many of us would say, oh, well, we wouldn't agree with something other than what the Bible has to say, but many of us are trying to be Switzerland. We're trying to play neutral in a war. And in a war, you have to pick sides. You don't get to be neutral. So Paul is saying, I'm concerned that some of you might take on something other than what Jesus preached. For if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. I would contend to say some of us are putting up with things right now that we ought not. We don't really understand or know the difference between dark and light. Then we drop down to verse 13. It says, for such are false prophets. They're deceitful workers. They're transforming this, listen, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. In other words, they're really dark, but they're appearing to you as light. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Paul is concerned that Christians won't recognize when something evil presents itself as good. That is my concern today for the church, the big C church. Christians have been manipulated. Now, I want to say this, and and I'm going to, to move on, but... What happened with the forced vaccinations and the forcing you to stay in your home and all of the power plays that were made? Because if you spoke up and you didn't agree with vaccinations being forced on people, if you challenged the ingredients of the vaccination, if you challenged the origins of COVID, if you challenged anything, big tech, the government... And media and big pharma all shut you down. I can't tell you how many times on my Instagram account I got put into Insta jail. Because I was willing to tell the truth and say, hey, look a little deeper. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not saying it was a sin for you to get the vaccination. That is between you and God. What I am saying is if you got the vaccination because you were forced, coerced, or pressured, that was wrong. There was a power play made against you. You were told, well, you can't come to work. You can't go to college. You can't play in this athletic game. You can't travel. You can't do this. You can't do that. You were a test case for when the mark of the beast comes. And you need to ask yourself, how well did I fare? How well did I fare? Did my family pressure me and said, you can't come over for Thanksgiving unless you do this? Listen, I love my family, but I will not listen to my family above God's voice. If God told me to do something or not to do something, I'm going to listen to that and I don't care who comes against me, who is upset, who gets angry, It doesn't matter. But what was sold to a lot of Christians is if you don't get this vaccination, you don't love your neighbor. And I cannot tell you how many Christians bought the lie. I'm not here to condemn you. What I am here is to wake you up because there are things that are going to come down the pipeline again And this time around, I want you to see and know when there are power plays being made. When you are forced to get something and there is no recourse from Big Pharma, the ingredients they won't tell you, and and you can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to work, you can't... I need you to see this is exactly what the book of Revelation said would happen in the end times. 
They are going to try and control. So if we don't get this now and understand this now, we were just guinea pigs. That was just a dress rehearsal. We've got to pay attention to what's going on. Now, I don't want you as a Christian to be manipulated, but I want you to understand there's a difference between manipulation and persuasion. Right? Let me explain to you the difference. Paul in Acts 19.8 says, And then he went to the synagogue and he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Now, what is the difference between persuasion and manipulation? Because what I'm giving you today, I'm trying to persuade you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm trying to persuade you to read your Bible, get into your word. That is your playbook. What's the difference? Well, persuasion is about your best interest. In other words, I could say, I'd really appreciate if you all would take your vitamins and I would really appreciate, Pastor Aaron, if you'd eat your vegetables. Hey, Blake, if you take these particular vitamins, it'll really, you know, boost your immune system. Why don't you look into it? I think it'd be really good for you. I know you said your blood sugar, your iron was low. These are really good for you. Check them out. That's persuasion. If you eat your vegetables, you're going to be strong and healthy. It benefits you. There is no ill gain involved, and the end result is to make you a better person. Okay? Now, there is a difference between your best interest and me outmaneuvering you to get my way. It's all about motive. Manipulation, however, is an unfair advantage. I'm going to play on your fear, which we saw. I'm going to play on your emotion. I'm going to play on your weaknesses because I've studied you. And I am going to move you to decision artificially. Manipulation is simply this, gaining control or dominance over others by being underhanded or deceptive. Manipulators often know you better than you know you. It used to be years ago, uh, the thing in, in marketing and advertising and sales was the slogan was sex sells. So all the commercials, the infomercials, they used sex to sell. But they realized way more important than the drive for sex was fear. I can get way more sales if I make you fearful. You will buy more cars by me making you fearful than by me putting a, a lady scantily clad on the hood, which is what they used to do. Now it's if you don't buy this car, you might not have enough airbags and your family might not be safe. We are moved by fear and they know it, so they sell fear. They prey on vulnerabilities. They study you and let me tell you, if we can't understand why we are always getting attacked and falling for the same thing, then we need to understand this philosophy that actually Uncle John taught me. He's not technically, I told y'all, he's not technically my uncle, but he will be today. If everywhere Bob goes, Bob has the same problem, guess what? Bob's the problem. So if every relationship you get into ends the same way and the same kind of guy keeps being attracted to you, maybe, just maybe, it ain't the guys. Maybe it's all the pictures that you're posting of yourself in the bikini on social media 
and they're, they're like a shark drawn to the bloody seal that's flopping in the waters because they're going, oh, this one's got daddy issues. Let me zoom in over here. They'll be easy prey. If you keep wondering why the vultures are constantly circling above your head, why the wrong people are constantly attracted to you, maybe see if you're giving off a little scent to the vultures. Maybe they're smelling a little stench and they keep flying over the same type of person. You see, when we have good boundaries, manipulators don't come for us. Manipulators are not drawn to healthy people because they know they won't get too far. You ever wonder why an abuser keeps someone in their grasp? It's because they convince that person you will be nothing without me. And they do what's called the honeymoon cycle. Abusive, abusive, abusive. I finally have had enough and I'm getting ready to leave. And then I get love bombed with the gifts and the gifts of the gifts. Baby, you know I love you. Baby, you know you know that that's not the real me that does. You, you know it's you and me. Okay, you're right, I'll stay. And the whole cycle, it's called the honeymoon cycle. It keeps repeating itself over and over and over. If you can be manipulated, you will be manipulated. So we've got to be wise as a serpent, the Bible says, but harmless as a dove. Many of us are harmless as a dove, but we forgot the other side of the coin. We think that being a Christian means we roll over and, oh, they hit one side, give them the other. Oh, they hit me, let me give them another. Mm -mm, There's a time and a place for that, and it's not in a war. Okay? That scripture is being taken out of context. So... Matthew 24, 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, I've set you free. You don't need to submit to slavery by the government, by big tech, by a family member. Listen, I don't care if it's a family member that's doing this. Just because you share DNA markers does not mean that they need a seat at your table. Do you understand? We only are going to get manipulated if we are allowing that. Some of us are living on manipulation plantation as slaves. And we need to get off. We don't have to be ignorant to plots or schemes of the enemy. And sometimes the enemy will use other people. So what's the big thing? Well, how do I know when this is happening? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you the tactics. And I would suggest you write these down. I'm gonna give you the covert and the overt. The covert ones, some of you might not have ever realized that it's a manipulation technique. It's a tactic. And covert, what I mean when I say covert, there's a meaning far beyond what is being said. There's an undercover principle underlying it. Some of the covert ways that are used to manipulate you is through shaming. When someone dishonors or disvalues you or devalues you. In other words, if you have to keep your walls up around someone because they always like make little cheap shots, little jabs, kind of feels like little stabs, they're trying to shame you. Why do they do that? So they can gain control, so they can feel superior. That person does not need to be in your life if you're constantly having to put your armor up because they're taking cheap shots at your expense. That's called shame. And God is not in the midst of shame. That's from the enemy. Another one, covert. Understand these are the covert ones. Guilt tripping. Guilt tripping. Making someone feel they have committed a crime or an offense. It's what people do to try to manipulate you into action. Guilt tripping. Now, I love Troy's Mimi. She is in heaven right now watching, and Mimi, you know you did this. 
but she would manipulate like nobody's business through guilt tripping. Well, if you loved me, you'd come over. Well, I guess nobody cares about their Mimi who's sitting here all by herself today. Manipulation is when people use your emotion to try to get you to move artificially. That's what guilt tripping is. If you really cared, I guess you would come by and see me. Even when it's wrapped in a cute little 87-pound, 93-year-old package called Mimi. It's manipulation. And that's how she learned growing up to get her needs met was through manipulation. That's not the healthy way to get your needs met. The healthy way is, hey, I'm missing you guys. I'm feeling a little lonely. When could you come see me? That's a healthy way to get your needs met. Manipulation and guilt tripping. And I want you to listen for these signs in relationships. Listen for when you hear them because that person is trying to get you to move by artificial means. And anytime that happens, it is not healthy behavior. I'm in a jam. You're the only one that can help me. Right there, you're putting a response, you're making me feel like I have to move artificially or I'm going to let you down. Mm-mm. Ladies, I've seen some of you who are dating men. If you really loved me, you would. Mm-mm. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Hey, if you really love me, You'd go take a cold shower and you'd wait. Because I am worth waiting for. When you know how valuable you are, you stop giving cheap discounts to people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. Minimizing. Minimizing. Covert. You assign a lesser value to. It's the molehill that you, it's really the mountain, but you turn it into a molehill. What does that mean? Well, I mean, I know I borrowed $100 from you, but really you are expecting me to return that? I mean, it wasn't that much. You're really gonna make a big deal out of this? Well, yeah, your word is your word. I gave you the $100 and I'm asking for it back. They try to minimize what shouldn't be minimized. And they do that. That's actually called gaslighting. And, and what happens is, is, you know, I loan you $100 and I would like my $100 back. And you might say things like, really? You, you need $100. I needed it a lot more than you. Man, you, you're really selfish to need that back. They, they like flip it and make it about you instead of what they did, that they agreed to. They try to minimize. And what does that do? Because then it flips it back on you and you're like, well, am I being selfish? I mean, really, should I just let this go over this $100? It makes you question yourself, right? All right, so let's get to the overt techniques. These are overt. The first is denial. Won't admit. When you see somebody just deny over and over, won't admit, they are trying to move you artificially. Now, I hate to say this, but we wives have done this a time or two. Baby, something wrong with you? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Really, though, I'm not fine, and I think you should know what you did, and I don't want to have to tell you what you did because you should know. So I'm going to deny until you recognize because I want you to see this for yourself. (laughs) Instead of just saying, actually, I am hurting because I feel like you should have seen this and you didn't. So could we talk about that? That's the healthy way to get our needs met. But sometimes... 
And everybody does this in different ways. Sometimes we deny because it makes us feel vulnerable if we have to admit how really it hurt. So we say, well, I just didn't want to get into an argument. No, because then we're, we're given the silent treatment and everything. We want you to know you ticked us off. But we think you should just automatically know it. That's a manipulation technique. And I'm sure I've never done that one before in 31 years. <laughs> Maybe. Here's another one. Overt is to play dumb. Play dumb. My kids used to do this. Oh, wait, I was supposed to take out the trash? Uh, yeah, and just because I knew this was your tendency, that's why we wrote it out and I had you sign it, remember? Because playing dumb don't work in this house. Playing dumb is a technique, and the reason people do that and go, oh, oh, I didn't know that, is because then it's like trying to nail jello to the wall. You're like, oh, well, maybe they forgot, or maybe they didn't hear, or, and it gets them off the hook. It's manipulating you artificially. That's why for my kids, chore lists or anything else, if we would have agreements or things that we would make, we would write it on paper. Oh, no, you didn't forget because right here you signed it. Mm, don't play that. Don't play that you didn't know. That's your way of trying to wiggle out of the situation. It's manipulating. Mm-mm, we don't do that. Here's another one, rationalizing. Rationalizing. We make excuses, and good Christians sometimes even try to throw the God card on it. God told me to. God said, hey, I was wondering if the church could help me with my bills. Hey, I was just wondering why you don't have a job. Well, God told me not to have a job in this season right now. Okay, well, then God told us not to help you until you get off your blessed assurance. right? We're not trying to be God for you. We're not, you know, we're not a Pez dispenser. Don't, don't blame stuff on the Lord. The Lord told me to not have a job. No, no, you cannot find in in the word of God where it says that you are not to be the man of your house and lead and provide for your family. We make these excuses sometimes and we, we try to, you know, rationalize by any means possible. All right, number four, overt. Lying. That one's pretty self-explanatory, but when I see people lying, typically what happens is they have to continue to lie to cover up the last lie that they told. And so when you lie to me once, we're done. We're done. That's a rule I have. I told my kids growing up, I said, if you're going to hurt me, you hurt me with the truth, but don't you dare lie to my face. Because if you lie to me, my trust in you is gone, and our relationship is going to be very difficult to mend when, you, when your automatic thing is to lie to cover up. That's not a, if, if you see that in somebody in a relationship, it's very difficult to overcome because it's very hard to trust when the foundation is not there. All right, the next one, diversion. Diversion, it's an overt manipulation tactic. We saw this one happen during COVID. California passed a bill when everybody was in an uproar about what was going on with COVID and all that. They snuck in a bill. Now, the governor says that he did it uh, in order to honor the alphabet mafia is what I call them, the LGBTQ, LMNOPXYZ. But what they did is they allowed for adults to have sex with minors. As long as there's a 10-year age gap, a 24-year-old and 14-year-old, they slid that in when everybody else was focused on COVID and they got that passed. Why did they do that? Well, because the governor says that, you know, the, the alphabet mafia, as I call them, their appetites are vast and varied, and we should not penalize them. This stuff got snuck in 
While the rest of us were focused in one area, the enemy came in, created a diversion, and now this bill is passed. It's already in play. Next one, number six, overt manipulation technique is victimizing. Victimizing, what does that mean? It means somebody that always tries to play the sympathy card. They're always having a pity party and they're inviting you to it. And what they do is they look for what's called sympathetic vibration. Now, if you're one of those people that has a very high mercy gift, you're going to see people drawn to you if you don't have proper boundaries. They are going to, the sympathetic vibration is they put out these vibes and they try to see if you're going to take on to it and go, oh, I'm so sorry for you. I'm so sorry that you're going through this for the 15th year in a row. And what they're doing is they're manipulating your emotion and they're drawing something from you artificially, which is really their need for approval. Number seven, overt technique, tactic, is defensiveness, defensive. You bring something up, they automatically feel threatened or exposed, so they protect at all costs. They say, it's not me, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? I didn't do it, huh? What are you saying? It wasn't me. Because if it's not them, they can't be held accountable. They can't be held responsible. Number eight is the sacrificial lamb. This is the tireless servant who wants you to know how much they've given and served and done everything and worked their finger to the bone for everyone else when really it's their own selfish ambition and their need for approval. But what it does is it draws your emotions in and it manipulates you into to seeing them in a certain light. They're the ones that always play the martyr. They're always the martyr. Number nine, manipulation technique is seduction. We talked about this some with the advertising, but it's enticing, luring, or tempting. It's a power play, a money play, a sex play, or a position play. You see this a lot. Sometimes employers will try to manipulate. Yeah, I know you won't ever get to be with your family, but look at all these amazing places you'll get to go. Look at the money you could make. Look at all the things you could have. And it lures you in and pulls you away from your family, pulls you away from your friends, pulls you away from your church. But I got some money in the bank account seduction. Number 10, blame shifting. Blame shifting. It's what we see in the Garden of Eden where Eve said, I didn't do it, it was the snake. And Adam said, I didn't do it, it was Eve. They're all blaming each other. And therefore, no one takes responsibility. And we can never, ever change and be more like God unless we are willing to take responsibility. Now, there are a lot of examples in the Bible where we see these manipulation tactics used. We saw Potiphar's wife, if you remember the story, she was trying to lure in Joseph because she saw character on him. And we often remember Proverbs 31 woman, but we don't remember the woman in the beginning of Proverbs that we are warned about, that will try to lure not just men, but strong men. The way she dresses, the way she bats her eyes, the way she's so kind and leaves little things on your desk. And boy, you wish your wife would do that. You wish your wife would say those things to you. No, no, no. She's watching, she's reading, she's playing you. She's studying you. She's listening to how you talk about your wife. She's noticing different things about your family. And so Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. And when Joseph didn't fall for it, she grabbed a piece of his robe as he was leaving and then accused him of trying to abuse her. Then we have... Simon the sorcerer, 
who sees the power of the Holy Spirit moving and he goes to the disciples and he's like, I want to buy some of that. I want to control that. Give me some of that. Trying to manipulate the money changers that were in the temple. They were preying on good, honest folk that just wanted to come and worship their God. That's why Jesus got so angry with them and flipped over their tables. They were preying on people that had the right heart. Saul tried to manipulate the prophet Samuel. Samuel was very well aware that Saul was trying to do things in his own capabilities and he confronted him about it. And Samuel said to Saul, Saul, your kingdom's gonna be torn from you for this. And Saul said, okay, okay, but when we stand in front of the people, can you at least make it look like you approve of me? Can we manipulate them? Can we make it look a certain way even though it's not? Then there was a man named Diotrephes and he was in Paul's ministry and he turned against Paul. What do people do in the church or in ministry when they can't control the leader? They try to control what you think about the leader by going and spreading rumors about the church, about the the leader. That's what they did with Paul. It was a power play. They started he started gossip and rumors that were malicious and really hurt Paul. And then we know that Satan tried to manipulate Jesus himself by using scriptures. By using the Bible, twisting the scriptures, but nonetheless, and the thing that was so great about Jesus is he quoted the scripture correctly back to Satan and put him in his place. And he tried to come at Jesus when Jesus was in a vulnerable position. He was fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. See, here's the thing, a manipulator will make just enough sense to cause you to doubt what your gut is saying. Sometimes it's easier to think, well, maybe I'm wrong about that person. Because honestly, as Christians, we don't wanna go around thinking ill of people. But sometimes we ignore the red flags. We wanna see the potential but we don't really wanna see what's being shown at the moment. And the reason that people manipulate in the first place is because they don't trust God for the outcome. So they artificially make up an outcome in order to get you to move. And I know this in relationship. I'm very careful. I, I haven't always been this way because I'm the type of person I meet you and you're my best friend. I just love people. But I realized that there are some relationships that actually weren't relationships, they were projects. There's a difference between caring for someone and carrying someone. And sometimes I've gotten that off. My boundaries weren't where they needed to be. But I took a cue from the great theologian out of Nashville, Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Sometimes we're so used to being manipulated that we don't even know what healthy looks like. So I want to give you two pictures of Jesus and how he handled himself and how people interacted with him, one that was healthy and one that was not and what Jesus's response is. And I also want you to pick up that Jesus is discerning even as the people are approaching him. Matthew chapter eight, verse five, it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, notice Jesus' response in this one, I will come and heal him. 
The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. I understand boundaries, Jesus. I know you're busy. I'm not saying if you don't come right this second, my whole world is over. It's all on you right now. He wasn't trying to move Jesus artificially. He asked for help. And he allowed Jesus to respond. And he says, I understand authority. I'm under it. I've got soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Not even my mother Mary has that kind of faith. That's what he's saying. This man trusted God and he did not try to guilt trip Jesus. He was confident in who he was and he understood authority and he had faith in God. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, I want you to see how this plays out differently. Now, as he was going out on the road, this is Jesus, one came running. Oh, seems urgent. And he knelt, which men don't do that in this day and time. They didn't come and kneel. And it says he kneeled before Jesus and he asked him, and he's saying the right thing, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So what did Jesus say to him? Notice the difference in how Jesus responds. Why do you call me good? Do you see how Jesus is picking up on something here? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. Do not steal. Do not bear a false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Notice there were several that he left out. Like have no other gods before thee. Because we see, he answers and he says, teacher, all of these things I've kept. And Jesus looks at him. Jesus didn't love, look at him and he was rude or obnoxious. He loved him. But he said to him, hmm, there's one thing that you're lacking. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor. In other words, money has been your God. He intentionally left that one out. Trying to get this guy to see the condition of where he was. Come take up your cross and follow me. Says, but the rich young ruler was sad at that word. And he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Never does it say Jesus said, okay, okay, okay. Just give away half. Just don't leave. Please don't leave. Please don't walk away from me because so many people have walked away from me and it hurts being abandoned and being left. Please just don't walk away. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't say, but I need your influence. You're rich. You're young. You're powerful. I'll change what I said if you just stay. Jesus did not allow himself to be manipulated. Why? Because people with healthy boundaries will know and know. Sometimes we've got to be willing to let people walk away. Proverbs 4, 7 says, get wisdom. It's the most important thing you can do. Whatever else, get insight. You know what exposes manipulation? Wisdom and insight. Why is this so important? Because wisdom is having the quality, experience, knowledge, and good judgment. It's being sound. And not only are the times that we're living in so important to understand this, but here at Freedom House Church, 
We are all about healthy relationships. Relationships are so important. And we want to get those right. Will you stand on your feet with me? Today, I don't want to make a power play against you. I don't want to manipulate you. But I would like to persuade you in the most important relationship you will ever have in your entire life is a relationship with your heavenly father who loves you, who is there to guide you, lead you, and protect you. And I would like for everyone in here to close your eyes and bow your head. And whether you're in here or online, I wanna ask you this question. If you know there are some things that have kept you separated from knowing God like you should, from that relationship, maybe you need a fresh start, a reset, whatever that is. Maybe you just need an introduction. I would like you right in your seat, right where you are, just lift your hand up and say, man, that's me. I need a reset. Thank you, sir, in the balcony. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And anybody else online, just click in there. Man, that's for me. I want in on that prayer. And then we're all gonna say this together. We're gonna make the right move today. It's the best power move you will ever make is to move into the light not by coercion or manipulation, but by choice. Let's all say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, we come into the light today. Out of the darkness, God, wake us up. Shake us up. Let us see the light of your Son, Jesus. We thank you for what he did by dying on the cross. And we receive him right now into our life. In the name of Jesus, amen.